Hi, this is Ed Fitzpatrick. If you enjoy local politics as much as I do, be sure to join our friends at Rhode Island PBS for the show A Lively Experiment. Hosted by Jim Hummel, the weekly series features journalists, pundits, and politicians debating the stories and issues that matter most to us Rhode Islanders. Tune in to A Lively Experiment and be part of the conversation. Fridays at 7 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS and wherever you get your podcasts. From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. We've heard the candidates for governor debate each other. Their ads are all over TV, and they're always in the news. But how well do we really know them? I decided to get a fresh perspective by spending time with them outside of the campaign trail, starting with Republican Ashley Kalis. Back in the day, she was a serious boxer. She even won the Golden Gloves in 2001. So I stepped into the ring to learn a few moves from her coach and let her take a swing at some policy questions. That, after this quick break. When you want to go beyond the headlines, let me recommend Rhode Island PBS Weekly. Rhode Island PBS Weekly is an award-winning news magazine broadcast that gives you the full story, powered by investigative journalism and narrative storytelling. New episodes of Rhode Island PBS Weekly drop Sundays at 7.30 p.m. on Rhode Island PBS. Watch past episodes at ripbs.org weekly. That's ripbs.org weekly. Ashley Kalis got her boxing start at a gym in Quincy, Massachusetts, when she was about 17 years old. Her parents were in a messy divorce. She was failing high school, and she'd moved out of the house. So I was working two jobs, and it was incredibly difficult. But I always would go boxing, and it gave me sort of the structure, the discipline, and a community that always was welcoming uh, for me that year. Less than a year into boxing, she fought at the Golden Gloves in Lowell, Mass, and won. I uh, fought against this girl from Harvard that, you know, had all the... the Harvard girl? Yeah. I feel good. beat the crap out of her, actually. (laughs) Um, So, Quincy versus Harvard, and I stopped her in the third round. It was incredible. Like, the sound of Lowell, that, that stadium, like, the roar is something that you could feel it in your body. Now, when she has a spare moment, she trains here at the Fight Factory in West Warwick. It's nice, but it still has the sort of flavor of what a boxing gym should be like. A lot of them nowadays feel more like exercise gyms rather than a place to box. The gym is in the basement of an old mill. There are punching bags hanging from the ceiling and a ring in the center of the room. But before we can throw some punches, we have to wrap our hands. The wraps are long. They're long and they're cloth. And there's a thumb strap right in them. And you wrap them around your wrist and then around uh, your knuckles so that you don't hurt your knuckles. And it allows you to fight without getting hurt or breaking your knuckles. Have you gotten hurt boxing? Yes. Did you ever get knocked out? I have been TKO'd, yeah. Yeah. It is quite an experience. Ashley isn't exactly knocked out of the governor's race, but she's trailing in the polls. 
The latest Globe Suffolk University survey puts her 10 percentage points behind Democrat Dan McKee. A lot has been written about how uh, you voted in Florida in the last election. You had a homestead exemption, I believe, in Illinois and Chicago. And you just registered to vote in Rhode Island after buying the house in Newport recently. So the, the essence of the criticism is you're a carpetbagger. How do you, how do you respond to that? We were here for a number of years, and like many Rhode Islanders, we had to leave for opportunity. And um, and so that's what we did. I mean, we ha- we're the fourth ranked in terms of college graduates that leave. So I am that generation that had to leave, make it somewhere else, and then I was able to come back. And I came back in service as, as a healthcare worker. But those uh, arguments in terms of where I've done business, I have been honest. I, I had to leave. I've come back home. I'm successful in business. I have businesses across different states. I'm not going to apologize for the fact that I've been successful. But I do know where I want to raise my family. And I was not lucky enough to be born and raised here. But I will fight to ensure that my children can stay here. The other day you were at the rally about with housing advocates. And yes. you were standing next to State Senator Cynthia Mendes one, uh, from the Rhode Island Political Cooperative. Yes. And you, you seem to be on the same page. So Very nice, yeah. yeah are you joining the co-op? I, I, I don't think there's an invitation waiting for me. <laughs> but listen, no, 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 but listen, let's have a conversation about it, which is that we agree that people should not be left out in the cold. Mm-hmm. We agree that this is an emergency state, meaning that... We are ready to move into winter without a solution. And this was a problem last winter. So the idea that the governor did not have time or this is a crisis that is new is a lie. Professor Eric Hirsch was saying that there are what tw- more than 1,200 people seeking shelter right now. Um, more than 400, I think, are out uh, either living in cars or living outside. Yeah. Would you commit, if you're governor, if you're governor, would you commit to housing those people? Yes. And how would you do it? We need to deal with the problem immediately. We need to get uh, hotels that are open, and we need to get the individuals sheltered. We also need to make sure that shelters are walk-in shelters. We move to a program where you call to get shelter. And often when somebody needs shelter, it's a crisis, and you can't wait on holding it on a waiting list. You need the ability to have a place where you can go to. I believe there is only one walk-in, and this is where I'm not sure about, one in, the, in Providence that you can just walk in in an emergency. We need to have more of that. But we need to have hotels and other spaces that are available as a state because the governor did not plan for this. His lack of planning is not justification for leaving people on the street. He would say probably that, oh, I've got $250 million budgeted, a lot, a lot of it for affordable housing and for shelters. Would you budget it any, would you use that money any differently than he's using it? Or, and do you think he's using it efficiently? I would use it differently. I don't think that he... Uh, demands results. And I think that's a problem. So what you'll hear in his campaign is I gave this money away. And a person that wants to solve problems doesn't just give money, they ask for results. So if you get X million dollars, how many beds am I getting and how quickly? Mm. That is a leader. It's not I wrote a check uh, with taxpayers' money and now I want credit when there's no solution. The reality is he can say he's doing stuff for housing, $250 million will build housing. It doesn't change the fact that there are individuals that are cold right now that do not have shelter. I know we've talked about how you wouldn't, if you were governor, you would not sign the Equality and Abortion Coverage Act. But there's another bill that was proposed last year by Senate Republican leader Jessica De La Cruz, and it would prohibit abortions at the point where, as she says, an unborn child could feel pain. 
If you were governor, would you support that? I've been very clear on my position in abortion. And what's hard for me is to have the governor misrepresented in a lot of ways. So I'll be very clear. I will, so in 2019, the right to an abortion was codified in state law. Mm -hmm. I will do nothing to change that law. The people spoke through their elected officials. It is decided, it is done in Rhode Island. As governor, I am not going to change that and I truly believe this issue is settled. And to bring it up in a way that is fear-based is disingenuous. If Dela Cruz's bill came to your desk, would you sign it or veto it? That was in, that was in uh, committee and as I've said, the people of Rhode Island have already spoken through their elected officials. It is settled law. It is done in Rhode Island. Right, right. And in my administration, I will do nothing to change that law. So does that mean you would veto it? I, I'm, I'm not going to do hypothetical. I'm learning. I'm, I'm not going to do hypotheticals because the reality is well, that's not a hypothetical bill. It is, a, it is a hypothetical situation, I believe, because I believe it is settled law. So for me, because I truly believe that this issue is settled, it is completely hypothetical to me. All right. Do you have any thoughts on the bill itself? That's not hypothetical. I have, no, I mean, on on the the bill. Give me details. Cruz. Sorry, I would. I, I so I'm a person who'd like to read the bill before I answer. But let me, because it's. You but, read it? No, I haven't read yeah. it because the reality is that the law is the 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 set, the law is the law. Yeah. I mean, she 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 uh, puts that at the point where, uh, as she says, an unborn child feels pain. I truly believe that this is settled law, and. If you want to ask me personal questions about my view on abortion, I'm happy to answer them as a woman and as a person. Okay. Uh, as governor, I've been clear on my policy stance and what I will not do. So I am happy to talk about, you know, having preterm babies and struggling with IVF and why I am personally pro-life and how I believe that the pro-choice movement is extreme because it, it says you must accept abortion until 39 weeks. I also find it odd that, that we can't live in a political world, and this is why it's so damaging political discourse, where I can say, as a leader, I will do nothing to change the law, and I am allowed as a woman to have a personal opinion. But that, it's like I am able to go to work and do my job and have a personal opinion as a woman. I know you're not just boxing today. You're also uh, releasing your economic policy, correct? So yes. this is going up next week. Tell us the, the highlights of that. The economic policy is common sense uh, economic policy. We need to be more competitive regionally, which means a com more competitive business environment is one that has lower regulations. We have very restrictive uh, regulatory language. This is where I'm gonna get wonky, but you can look at the number of words. We have like 90,000 restrictive words in terms of regulation compared to Arizona, which has about 40,000 words. And it's considered to be one of the more simple places to do business. Other states have looked at the difference in terms of restrictive versus non-restrictive words, and they've worked to cut regulation in that way. So part of it is reducing regulation. In also a, a more uh, collaborative way, we'll have a small business council to, uh, to do that. But you also need to approach it in a wholesale way where you're looking at the entire regulatory structure to find areas that just don't make sense. So reduce regulation, also cut taxes. We are not competitive in taxes at all. The only tax that we're competitive in really is corporate tax. What and it's, What tax would you cut? I would, ta I would cut uh, individual taxes and then sales tax. Income no, tax? Correct. In, in which rates? My goal 
in reducing taxes is to protect working families, to sort of correct for inflation. And we can do that through income taxes. And the Tax Foundation says that when you correct the tax environment, it's actually a, a faster way to correct the business environment while you're working on the hard structural changes like education. Huh. Education is an economic issue. It's a civil rights issue. In this state, it is a civil rights issue and probably one of the largest civil rights issues that we have right now. Would you but, the sales tax rate? That, that's one. I would like to reduce it so it's more in line. Or, and we can also do things like a sales tax holidays. I'm also acutely aware of the fact that I will have to work with others in order to get this done. Yeah. The unemployment rate's been at or near record lows recently. Why do we need to cut taxes or, or take steps like that to make a change? You mean what? Are you saying that the unemployment rate signals we, that we're yeah. in a good economy? Because if you ask around, if you ask families, they're not yeah, feeling yeah, yeah. like That's we're a in a point. booming economy. What you're looking at with the low unemployment rate is a lot of underemployment and people who have left the workforce. We cannot, I know everybody is done with COVID emotionally. I'm done too. Like I was a frontline healthcare provider. I just, it's hard because I just want it to be over. But the impact of what happened to children during COVID and also to women who had to leave the workforce mm. is something that we that will have economic repercussions and also education repercussions for years. And when you look at a single indicator alone, that is not necessarily the only indicator of, of how things are doing. And I would say just common sense. Go ask people how they feel, how secure they feel economically. Do they feel that this is an economy that's working for them? In May, you said your political hero, past or present, was Ron DeSantis. So is that still the case? Because I know you said you thought he had pulled a stunt with that uh, shipping the Venezuelan immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. I, here's what I like about uh, Ron DeSantis, is that the economic policies of Florida are making it so that businesses want to go there. And if you ask Rhode Islanders, a lot of them, I've met tons of Rhode Islanders are saying, I'm moving to Florida to start a business because I can afford to live, work, and raise a family there. All right. So have you changed your mind on DeSantis then? Is he no longer, would you no longer answer it the same way? I mean, the reality is that I am not from politics and I don't believe that there is one politician that brings together the message that the country needs right now. So what's your answer today? Can I, so, can I not answer? Every time I answer, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, okay, ask me about a political, so let's a ask me about a policy. Or ask me, tell me somebody that you think is divisive, and I'll ask you, what exactly are you asking? So DeSantis, right? Yeah. So when people are upset about that answer, what do you think they're asking about? Probably not the economic Recently, policy. Recently, it's been about the Martha's Vineyard uh, trip. I mean, that, that's what he's been in the headlines for. I was, I was very clear about what I thought about that, which I thought that it was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of the only Republicans in the Northeast who quickly came out and said that. When we're done wrapping our hands, Ashley Kalis's coach, Eric Fagan, puts on our gloves and gets us into the ring. He gives me a few pointers, then I start punching his boxing mitts. Yeah, don't lean, that's it. Don't lean too much, just step. That's it, that's it, now get to our right hand. Relaxed. Right, so the thing about fighting is it's incredibly technical, and when done well, it's like a dance. So it, it, it's yeah, is it more yeah. technical than you expected? Very much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there's a difference between boxing and brawling. So when you're in the ring and you lose control, you start brawling, yeah. and that's yeah, when you get knocked out. Anybody can brawl, not everybody can box. Yeah. That's why you get people who street fight coming here and 
don't last around. Yeah, they don't last around. They're so the how about the governor's one. race? Is, it, is it a brawl or a boxing right now? I mean, he's brawling. I'm boxing. Kalis has to get to press conference, so we wrap up our boxing session. Thank you. That was fun. Good. That was fun. It is a lot of fun, right? There we go. Hit mix, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's supposed to go. But not until I ask a few more questions. If you're elected governor, what's the first thing you want to do when you get into office? Um, first thing that I'll do is sit down with leaders and also stakeholders in Providence schools and try to get a deal Providence done on schools first, yeah. Well, overall, we need an education path and plan. And I think it's serious that everyone knows that I mean business, it's not just politics, and that I sincerely want to make a difference and work together. So let me, let me do this so I can breathe a bit more. So I'll sit down with all stakeholders and work to get a deal done with education, but not a deal in a way that is sort of corporate and takeover-ish. It's more like I'm your partner. And we have a very clear path that we need to go down. I mean, the path that we need to take in terms of education reform, that, that trail was blazed by Massachusetts. And having a leader that won't hide from bad news, somebody that understands and talks to all stakeholders about the fact that at some point into education reform, it'll feel like it's not working and that we're not quite there yet. Yeah. And it's the ability to keep moving forward that'll make the difference between whether we're able to transform the schools in the state. And if you're not elected governor, what are you gonna do? I mean, I haven't even thought about that. I would not have um, gotten into this race if I didn't think that I was gonna win. I've never picked a fight that I have not won. And often my fights are quick but decisive, like the gloves. I started boxing, and within a year, I was the Golden Gloves champion. It's going to be the same thing with uh, being the governor. Never been in politics. I don't think that that skill set, being a career politician, uh, being beholden to a bunch of different insiders and special interests, is a, is a qualifying set of skills to be governor. All right, Ashley Kalis, thank you so much for throwing a few punches with us today. Thank you so much. For more coverage of the election and to read the results of our Globe Suffolk University poll, go to globe.com slash Rhode Island. That's globe.com slash Rhode Island. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. Audio mixing and mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week. Looking to binge watch all your favorite PBS shows? You need Rhode Island PBS Passport, Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, Rhode Island PBS Weekly, and many more. Watch them all, anytime, and from any streaming device. Learn more about this member benefit at ripbs.org passport. That's ripbs.org passport.